Hello, my name is Gracie Ventry and welcome to the Andover High School Women's Forum's podcast series, Strong Women. The Ageless Women's Forum is a club for young women at Andover High School that promotes female leadership, social justice, and equality. With me today is my co-president, Izzy Senior, our vice president, Gia Chiampa, as well as Kira Young. Thank you all for joining us. We're very excited to talk this afternoon with our special guest. Ms. Lillian Montalto is the founder and leader of Lillian Montalto Signature Properties, Andover's top brand for real estate sales. Ms. Montalto and her team have closed nearly $2.5 billion in total sales. In addition to managing her firm, Ms. Montalto and her husband, Bob, are nationally recognized art collectors who have published three books on wood art. They have also exhibited their collection at the PBD-Esks Museum in Salem, Massachusetts. We have all seen her picture in ads and admired her new office building downtown with the purple awnings and flower boxes. It is our pleasure now to talk with Ms. Montalto, a broker, business leader, and art collector, and to learn from her incredible career and experience. Please join us in welcoming Miss Mon- Lillian Montalto to our Strong Women podcast. So our first question for you today is, we noticed you have an English cab parked in front of your new office building. So did you import it from England or where did you get it? It's so cute. Like what's the story behind it? Sure, it's really a good story. Um, so early in, early in the 2000s, um, my husband and I had actually uh, made a trip to London, and um, I had been, uh, I'd never been in a London taxi before, and I don't know, have you ever, have you ever been in a London taxi? Oh, you're going to have to come down, I'm going to take you for a ride, I promise, and um, so you face each other in the back seat, so it's really a great place to, um, you know, to have a conversation with your friends, and uh, the front seat is only, is only one seat in the front seat, and that's for the driver, And so as we were driving through and touring through London, I said to him, oh, my goodness, why don't we have these in the United States? They're so spacious and roomy. And I got this brilliant idea. And I said, oh, my gosh, if we ever had these taxis, this would be a great way to show buyers properties because I could be in the back talking to the buyers, driving around, looking at houses. And it was just like a fantasy. Well, lo and behold, two years later, are you all familiar with Neiman Marcus, the store? Okay, it's one of my favorite stores. And at Christmas time, they're very famous for their Christmas catalog. And their Christmas catalog has the craziest, craziest items uh, at Christmas time, at the holidays. And at the time, Bob, my husband, was living in the Midwest, living in Michigan. And we, were, we had a commuting relationship. A little bit of a long story, but it's kind of a fun story. So um, I always like to be like, uh, I always like to do the craziest things, to be on the cutting edge of whether it's technology or great ideas, new ideas. So the Christmas catalog arrived and lo and behold, they were going to import 100 London taxis into the United States. So I made a phone call and I bought a London taxi from the Neiman Marcus Christmas catalog. (laughs) And uh, it was gonna take a year to import because they had to change all the emissions control system to comply with the United States. And I called him up and I said, you'll never guess what I just bought. I just bought a London taxi. 
he didn't believe me at first, but he never doubted anything that I did. He said, what on earth are you going to do with that? I said, remember my idea when we were in London? I said, I'm going to import it, I said, to, uh, to show buyers properties, especially in downtown Boston. So when I bring buyers to Boston, it's so hard to park your car, um, you know, showing them, con it's, they're all condos downtown, park your, there's no parking spaces. So I usually have a driver, bring the buyers, we go from one place to another, to another, to another, in and out, in and out, in and out. And that's what my London taxi does. So I was the very first person to have it imported into the United States. The interesting thing, believe it or not, the company that actually um, was doing the importation was in Sudbury, Massachusetts. Can you believe it? So you talk about coincidental, but they did a big article on, we have it here in the office hanging. You ladies will have to come by the office someday. Um, Thursday nights, we play cornhole. When the weather gets better on Thursdays, we have pizzas and Cokes and so forth. You're always welcome to join us. We're always looking for good uh, cornhole throwers and uh, love to take you for a ride in the taxi. That's, That's the taxi fun. story. Yeah. I love it. That's I love awesome. It. That's so yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, so our next question is, when you were in high school, did you know what you wanted to be? I did. I actually was going to be a veterinarian. Oh. I'm, a, I'm an animal lover. Um, I'm an equestrian. I used to breed and raise Arabian horses. Um, I showed them all over the United States. Um, I don't have any horses right now. Um, and I uh, migrated, believe it or not, into real estate. Um, and uh, here I am. But we have, um, we do a lot of work for the MSPCA. We do have um, two resident puppies that work in the office every day, um, Avelina and Kiko. And uh, they're here with us every day. Yeah, you can probably, if she, if she hears somebody, she'll probably give a little yelp just to say hello to whoever's walking by. So I, that's, that was my, that was going to be my career. So, um, but I, I somehow ended up in real estate. <laughs> so how did you find your way to real estate? And like, what was the beginning of your career like? So uh, a lot of things happened. That's quite a long story, but I'll cut, I'll cut it short. I, um, I kind of migrated to, um, uh, to, I, I kind of ran out of uh, college funds and um, I had to get uh, a couple of jobs to pay my way through school. And then I was getting tired of working and going to school and whatnot. And um, so I, I, got a, I got a couple of jobs working. Um, I worked in the Federal Reserve Bank for a while. I worked for a law firm. I've always been an entrepreneur. Um, when the law firm that I worked for, um, uh, for three or four years, when they split up, I ended up taking over the um, the suite of offices that that they had. I worked for three attorneys, and I ended up opening my own company because I I just it wasn't working for me working for corporate America. Um, I couldn't punch a time clock. I couldn't. Um, that's Julie, my assistant. Julie, hi, say hi, hi girls. Hi. <laughs> um, I, I, I just couldn't work. I just couldn't work for anybody else. So I opened up a company called Secretarial and Space Services. I got to understand and, and know the um, uh, the legal process very well, 
And what I learned was that when young attorneys got out of law school, um, they really didn't know the process, but I knew it very well. So um, they would come into my company and they would have a secretary. Um, they would have somebody that knew how to um, go into court and uh, do all dra draft all the documents for them, do all the filings for them, and do the stuff they don't teach you in school. School is great, you know, for learning uh, learning what they teach you, but not always the process. So I did that for four or five years, and I had my real estate license um, very early on, um, just to have it. And um, then um, one thing rolled into another, and uh, I started selling a house here, a house there, and I realized that. Um, I really liked meeting different people every day and not being in an office and not being confined. Um, we didn't have computers then, obviously. It's a long time ago. But I liked being out and about and I liked meeting different people and every day was a different challenge and here I am today. So just the way just the way the road took me. So yeah, that's so interesting. That's so our next question is, when did you know that you could really make a living out of real estate? And did you ever doubt yourself that you could really make it? Um, I knew I could make it because I learned very early on that you can really do anything you want. It's whatever you put into anything is what you're going to get out of it. If you work hard at anything, um, and you're going to reap the benefits of it. Um, my parents were always very hard workers. They taught me at a very young age how to work hard. Um, and they, as I said, they worked very hard. They taught, taught me that my handshake and my integrity was the most important value that I could bring to anything that I ever wanted to do. And, um, that always to be some of the, the very early lessons that I learned that they taught me, always be on time, always be honest, always work very hard for whoever you were working for. And those were those were lessons that I've taken with me through my entire life. And um, and I always knew I could I always knew I could be successful at no matter what I wanted to do. So yeah. That's yeah. awesome. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, so our next question is that you started your own business, obviously Lillian Montalto Signature Properties in 2000. And we were wondering if the 2000 recession impacted your decision to start that at all. And like, sort of what was it like during that time to start up a new business? So actually, um, I'll go back a little bit. Um, prior to uh, starting uh, Lillian Montaldo Signature Properties. Um, in 1989, there was a there was a previous recession, and prior to 1989, I was doing practicing mostly commercial real estate. And in 1989, there was a really bad recession, and uh, most of my business was commercial. And I knew that if I wanted to continue real estate, I had to kind of switch my focus. Um, I wasn't doing much residential at the time, but I knew that people would always be buying and selling homes because they needed to put a roof over their head. So I said to myself, if I wanted to stay 
uh, in the direction of real estate, I changed my focus. Um, I drove around. I said, well, I think this is, uh, this is going to be a good place to sell residential real estate. It's a beautiful town. North Andover is a beautiful town. Um, and that's how I really decided to set my roots residentially in this area. Um, so I, uh, I joined a Remax firm. It was very new at the time. There were only seven agents um, in North Andover at the Remax office, not the one that exists now. It was a different office. Um, and I worked for Remax for 10 years. Um, I became, after the first year, I became the number one Remax agent in New England for nine out of the 10 years. I became the number three Remax agent internationally out of over 100,000 agents. And then in 2000, after being with Remax for 10 years, um, I decided, again, I didn't like working for corporate America. I really wanted to do things my way. And that's how Lillian Montalto Signature Properties evolved in 2000. And again, it was in the middle of a recession. So I always do things when it, it's the toughest time, but I've always prevailed. And I think when you do things, when everybody else is going in one direction, I kind of go in the other direction and it works. It just works for me. So um, I think if you learn to, um, to kind of jump over the potholes during the tough times, you get through them and um, somehow uh, you, you find a way to be successful. So I don't know if that answers your question. That's so cool. Um, so our next question is, was building your new offices a big decision for you? And did you ever have doubts that you were taking on too much? No, because my day, every day of, every single day of the week for me is jam-packed. It's always full. Um, if it's not overloaded for me, I'm bored. Um, I love building things. Um, one of my favorite parts of this job um, is either, is really helping people build a new home, redo their existing home, um, helping people take a pile of dirt and build a dream and see that pile of dirt turn into their dream home and taking the Learning Express, which I'm sure most of you grew up with, wow. um, believe, believe it or not, um, you know, I got so much controversy when that building came down. And um, the truth of that story is, is that I came along at the right time um, for the owners of that building because he was very ill. The owner was very, very ill. and um it they were my neighbors because i was next door where sal's is salvatore's is and we were neighbors for 22 years i was uh renting next door for 22 years and i always said to them if you ever decide to sell the building let me know because i wanted to be downtown in you know in the same location that i had been renting for 22 years and um <clears throat> so they got a very good price for their for their building the building was ready to fall down anyway. It was in very, very bad repair. And I had a dream. I had a vision for this building. I knew exactly what I wanted to build. I knew exactly 
every single thing that I was going to put into this building and it just created the dream that I that I had envisioned for many years so yeah it's so cool we love it thank we you love well you have to come visit me we yeah love oh, that too. sounds so fun yeah, yeah. You know, I have three interns, three high school students working for me after school. Um, and I've always had, I've had interns and over high school students working for me since 1995. So right now I have two seniors and I have one junior. So I'm gonna lose my two seniors this year uh, after graduation, which saddens me, but they're my little chickadees and I love them to death. So I'll have to replace two more when they leave me after graduation. So if you have any friends that are juniors or seniors next year, let me know. Okay. Yeah. So for our next question, we are wondering what your typical day is like and how many hours you typically work every week. So I'm a very early person. Um, I'm up, I usually wake up at 4.30 in the morning and yep, I know it's crazy. Um, <laughs> But I wake up at 4.30 and uh, I usually catch up on the news and, uh, and what's happening. And, uh, but I'm usually in the office anywhere between 6.30 and 7. And um, I try now to get out of here by 6.30 um, at night. Unless now the daylight savings time, now that it's light, I don't like to show homes or meet with people during, you know, after dark anymore. I used to when I was younger, but I don't anymore. Uh, number one, for safety reasons. Number two, nobody can make a decision on whether they want to buy a property after dark. They're going to have to come back during the daylight. So, um, but I like to be home. Um, I like to be home around 630. And if I have to work on weekends, I'll work on weekends. I do whatever it takes, but um, I like to, I like to have a day off every now and then. So, but a day in my life, every day is different. That's why I love this business. Um, I wake up in the morning and the first thing I ask myself is, um, I ask myself three questions. And the first question is, hmm, uh, I wonder who I'm going to meet today. Um, I wonder if I'm going to like them. I wonder if I'm going to be able to help them. And I wonder if I'm going to, if they're going to appreciate it. And that, those are the questions I ask myself. So, yeah, that's great. So our next question is, should such found sunsets portray a pretty glamorous look for real estate brokers? How has real estate changed since you started? Um, so I'd love to tell you that's what it's like, but it's not. Okay. Yeah, we I, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, it's a, uh, Unfortunately, those shows are very scripted um, and every day is a new day. Some days um, I can tell you, uh, I keep saying I, I, I could write a book um, and it would be a very funny book. Um, uh, some days aren't so funny, but um, I'll, give you, I'll give you a couple of stories. Um, if I were to write a book, the name of it would be... Um, Should I tell them the name of the book, Julie? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Absolutely. The name of the book would be um, Who Peed on My Jimmy Choos? <laughs> now, this is a true story. 
<laughs> because a number of years ago, I was working with a buyer and I had on a pair of Jimmy Choo's and uh, this gal had a dog with her and her dog literally lifted his leg and peed on my leg, on my shoes. Oh, okay. Oh, every day, every day is a new day. Okay. Um, we had a, uh, we recently had a gentleman that we sold his home and um, we're getting ready for the final walkthrough with the buyer. And I reminded him that uh, he, he needed to make sure to check that he had a little bit of a, a rodent problem at one time. And I just wanted to make sure that he checked on it and made sure he had his um, Terminex or his uh, uh, pest inspect, uh, inspection company come and, and do a final, uh, a final uh, uh, walkthrough. And there was no, there was no uh, rodent uh, droppings or whatever. And he, he then informed me that when he first moved into the house, that he had quite a mouse problem, but that he decided to keep some of them for pets. So you have no idea some of the things. So when you see selling sunset and whatever, eh, that's not the way it really is. No. I, have wa I have walked into homes where um, there have been people that have, um, there are people that uh, have uh, quite a few uh, reptiles, uh, not little ones, big ones, and they let them roam the house. Um, and, uh, you, yeah, you, you know, I've walked into homes where there have been, um, boa constrictors curled up on beds. There have been giant, um, um, uh, what do you call those? Iguanas. But huge iguanas. The big dragons. Um, I, I mean, you have no idea. <laughs> yeah. So it's not so glamorous all the time. Like you see on selling sunset or a million dollar listing LA. Yeah, it's not so it's not so glamorous. Yeah. 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 Surprise. Yeah. I'm not even I love yeah. the listing yeah. for the drama. Yeah, it's uh, dramatic, but not real. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so but I'll tell you what, it's people are wonderful and that's what I love about my job because I do meet so many terrific people and so many people that really do need help. And that's that's really it's like I'm the I feel like I'm the the doctor of real estate. So I get to make things better for a lot of people. So, yeah. so cool. that's a good little phrase. Yeah. Um, so our next question is, in addition to selling real estate, you also manage a big team of 24 brokers. And how would you describe your leadership style and just tell us about your comfort as a leader in a leadership position? So I, um, I'm a big believer in, in leading by example. Um, I don't have any expectations for any of my team members to do anything that I would not do. Um, so I try to teach them uh, the lessons that I've learned over the many years that I've been in this business. I try and teach them how to avoid the mistakes that I've made. Um, I try to pass on the lessons that I've learned. Um, my husband has written a book. Um, it's a really good book, it's called Clarity. And um, so it has uh, 80 or 90 lessons that he's learned during his real estate career. And they're lessons that, um, and if you come visit me, I'll give you all a copy of the book because they're lessons, they're really good lessons. And they're, they're lessons that we've put together and we've coached, he and I have coached many hundreds of um, real estate agents around the world. 
um, and we've coached them to very successful careers. But we don't teach them anything that we ourselves haven't done. And when I hear about coaches, there are thousands and thousands of real estate coaches throughout the, the country, throughout the world. Many of them have never, ever sold a house in their life. Um, how can you coach somebody when you've never been out in the, in the streets yourself? And we've done it all. So we feel that we're great leaders because we've done it all and we can pass on those lessons um, with confidence because as I say, there's nothing we haven't done ourselves and we do lead by example. So one important lesson that we do teach them is two very important lessons actually. I teach them, they start every day from zero. No matter what kind of business you're in, when you get up in the morning, you we all we all put our pants on the same way. Okay, don't ever forget that. I don't care um, how wealthy you are. I don't care how poor you are. We all put our pants on the same way in the morning. There's nobody that's better than you. There's nobody that can do it better than you. We all get up in the morning. It's how we decide to choose what we do with our time. Okay, and that's what makes you successful or not successful. You can choose to lay around and do nothing for the day, or you can choose to make your day very productive. Okay, it's up to you. Um, but I teach them to try and start every day from zero. I don't care if they have $200,000 on the books for sales. I tell them to pretend they have nothing on the books. When they get up in the morning, by the end of the day, they need to have had to have accomplished something productive at the end of that day, every day from zero. And then I also teach them that no matter how much of a successful day, week, month, year that they've had, um, they must never, ever, ever let themselves develop a big ego. Ego is probably the worst thing that can happen to anyone. Okay, um, because I've seen people that have let their ego get in the way or, or get in front of them. And um, it, it's a destroyer. It's the worst thing that people can can allow happen to themselves. So you need to be humble, helpful, respect yourself, respect other people, treat other people the way you want to be treated. And make sure that you're always kind, kind to people, be kind to people. So yeah. those are the lessons. Those are the lead leadership lessons that I try to teach my team. Yeah, that's great advice. It is. Um, so next we wanted to know, um, so negotiations and conflict are probably two areas that most girls and women would prefer to avoid or sort of make someone comfortable. So are those skills you've developed or have you always felt comfortable negotiating and do you have any negotiating tips that you would like to share with us? Um, yeah, I've always felt com comfortable with negotiating. And let me tell you one of my big secrets, okay? <laughs> when I walk into a room, this is how I make myself very comfortable. No matter what room I walk into, I don't care if the president of the United States is in the room. I'm going to get there early and I'm going to walk in and I'm going to sit at the head of the table. I always position myself to be in a, in a place where 
I'm at a leadership in a leadership position and feel comfortable. And I'm always going to position myself so that I can watch everybody's body language in the room that is going to be involved in that negotiating. I want to make sure that I can see the face language, the body language, and I can read what everybody is thinking, the looks that are going back and forth between the parties. And I've never, ever had, I've never felt uncomfortable with a negotiation ever. You have to have, you have to feel secure and comfortable inside something that you'll develop as you, as you get a little older, but don't ever feel intimidated. I just, I just told you a very important thing a minute ago. We all get up in the morning. We all put our pants on the same way, ladies. Nobody is better than you. Nobody. Okay. Don't ever forget that. I don't care who it is. I don't care who they are. I don't care what they have. You're all, we're all equal. We're all equal. Okay. And you need to feel, you need to develop that confidence. If you want, if you want confidence lessons, you come to my door, ring this bell. You come in here and follow me around for a few days. When you leave me, you'll have a lot of confidence. Trust me. That's awesome. That's Thank great. You. Great advice. So we heard that you also collect art. So you had a show at the PG Essex Museum in Salem, MA, which is an amazing museum. Our listeners should definitely check it out. How did you start collecting? So we've been collecting for a number of years. We've had um, we we've had a couple of uh, uh, exhibitions. We've had we have two collections that have been exhibited um, at many museums. We have a wood art, a turned wood art collection that's been in seven uh, different museums, seven uh, different museums around the United States um, and actually one, two museums in uh, Canada. Um, that's our turned wood collection. And then believe it or not, um, the Peabody Essex uh, did our wood art collection and they also did my shoe collection. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with both of them, both of the uh, ex exhibitions, but my shoe collection, I didn't, I never started collecting shoe, buying shoes because I thought I was going to have a shoe collection. But the interesting thing was um, when the curator came to our home to look at our wood collection to do, um, to start putting together the, um, the exhibition for the wood art collection. He was just walking around, decide they were deciding what they what pieces they were going to take for the wood art collection, and jokingly, I started showing him my shoes, and they got the they got they got the biggest kick out of my shoe collection. All my life, I've just been a shoe person, and um, again, I so my theory about shoes is when I see them and I like them, I buy them. And so unlike most people, when you go and you buy an outfit, what are you doing? You're always going around crazy looking from store to store to store to try and match a dress or an outfit with a pair of shoes, correct? Yeah. I do the opposite thing. I buy the shoes when I see them. And then when I have to go to a wedding or whatever, in your case, a prom, a dance or whatever, um, you're, you buy the dress and now you're looking for a pair of shoes. When I have to go someplace, um, I have an outfit, I buy an outfit, all I have to do is go in my closet and there's always a pair of shoes that fits the <laughs> outfit. 
So I always have the shoes first. So it, it got to be a joke. And uh, when they saw, when they saw, when the museum saw my shoe and boot collection, they went out of their mind. And they were bringing over a show from England, from London, called the Ple the pleasure, um, the pleasure of pain, or the pleasure in pain. And it was a, it was a, a shoe collection that was on an ex exhibition in London. And they said, oh my gosh, would you be willing to allow us to display your shoe collection at this London exhibit? I said, well, yeah, why not? So I looked at my husband and I said, see, see that? Don't ever complain about me buying shoes again because they're museum quality. So it got to be a joke. They did a fabulous, fabulous exhibition of my shoes and my boots. And, um, and so that was the second ex exhibition that they did um, of our of our things. So yeah, it's we, we started collecting years and years ago. We collect contemporary art. Uh, we have a lot of glass. We collect Persian rugs as well. So we um, yeah, it's uh, we love it. We it's we love bright things. Our office has a lot of art. Um, we spend a lot of time here, so we like to surround ourselves with happy things. So. That's so cool. It's amazing. Yeah. We were also wondering if you have a favorite museum or artist. Um, so uh, I do have a few favorites. I have, you know, I have to say I have a lot of favorites, but one of my very favorites is um, uh, uh, an artist named Romero Brito. Um, he's out of uh, South Florida. He, he's actually out of Miami. Um, if you want to do some reading about him, he's, I think he's probably, out of all the artists that I'm familiar with, he's become a very close friend as well. But he's been, um, he's been with the Pope, he's been with, he's, uh, he's probably touched more people in his art career than any artist that I know of. Um, He's an unbelievable man. He started on the street, um, couldn't afford uh, to buy canvas, started painting on newspapers. So his story is, is quite fascinating. Um, but I have, I have a lot of favorites, um, but he's, he's a special one to me. So. Yeah, that's, wow. a, that's a cool story. Um, so our next question is, if you could do a Zoom call back in time with yourself as a junior in high school, what advice would you give to your 17 year old self um, what would you tell her and would she listen to you? Um, she probably would listen to me. Um, I think the thing that I wish I knew when I was 17 was, I guess, I knew, but I didn't know. I didn't know how to do a business plan. That's what I wish that I could have told myself, but um, this is what I would have said. Believe in it, achieve it, and plan it. What I've learned and what I've learned to believe in because it's it happens all the time is if you write it down and you look at that every day. So write it on your plan, believe it, read it, you'll achieve it. If you don't write it down, it doesn't happen. 
if you write it down, it will happen. And that's what I would have told myself when I was 17, but I didn't ever have anybody to tell me that. So I would have told myself that, but I know that now. Do you guys do a business plan? No, not exactly. <laughs> not really. Okay. So when you, if you so choose, are you all seniors? We're no. juniors. I'm a sophomore. Oh, good. You're a sophomore. Oh, so you guys have time. Yeah, we're yeah. Young. yeah. Okay. All right. So seriously, um, and we do, and that's the other thing on my leadership with my team here. We do a lot of business planning. I never knew what a business plan was. Nobody ever told me. I never, I just never had anybody to um, do any leadership role with me in that regard. But we teach them to look at that every single day. And they come back to me months later, a few months later, and they'll say, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. You know, I would have never, ever realized that this, that you're right, you're right, Lillian. If you, if you write it down, it happens, it happens, and it does. I'm telling you, believe it and you'll achieve it. Write it down, look at it, carry that around, carry your business plan around. It doesn't have to be extensive. Write it down. You want to set up a day, a time. You want to come in here, spend some time with me. I'll spend the time with you. Um, I'm happy to do it. We don't have to do it all in one day. We can spend an hour one day an hour another week, I'd be delighted to do it with you. Um, it's a different, it's a little bit of a different twist than what you're learning in school, but I'm telling you, it works. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd be yep. And if you have some of your other group or some of your other friends, be happy to do a session with you. Yeah, that and believe me, it would be my pleasure. You would love that. That would be so cool. Yep. And we can do it after school. We can do it, you know, like late afternoon. Make sure you get your homework done. Yeah. But it would it would it would be delightful for me to do that. You would love that. That would that's like the perfect thing for our club. We're always looking for stuff like that. So okay. Yeah. So our last question is has there any been like any role models for you that inspired you early on? My mom. My mom, my mom was a very hard worker. Yeah. <laughs> Moms are the best. Yeah, they are. Yeah, well, they're the best. Uh, thank you so much for your time and for sharing your experience with us. We learned so much already today and we hope we get to meet you in person and maybe take a tour of your offices, learn some of those business plans. So yep. yeah. Yeah. For everyone listening, please follow our Instagram at AHS Women's Forum and Lillian Montalto at LMSP Real Estate. Thank you again.